back to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. Uh, a little bit different edition this time. We are actually doing a Zoom show for the first time ever. Remote. Uh, little remote 30 Rack of Sports. Um, one of us has to be in quarantine. We're not here to point fingers. Uh, all feeling great and all ready to bring you another wonderful edition of 30 Rack of Sports. Hey man, we have to talk about. We've made it a long time without having to do this, so uh, I'm not going to point fingers just because it's an accomplishment that we have never had to do this before. I think. Now we haven't. I'd like to point fingers, but you know, I'll I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll let that one go. I'll let it go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, what? I think this should be a cheery episode, especially for you two. Uh, both moving to the divisional round, we'll get to that a lot more. Uh, some, you know, interesting updates on the baseball front, not quite at the major league level, but kind of in that international signing level. And then talking some Cavs who look to be on their way to get another win this afternoon as we record. Uh, but guys, first, of course, our introductions, I was thinking, you know, with, with one of us being, uh, kind of locked inside, what if the 30 rack crew had to quarantine and say a small, apartment or house or something with the three rooms That'd be rough uh, that would be uh that'd be difficult that'd be, <laughs> it would be trying well i figure all of us would have something and i'm thinking the guy who should be to my right but is uh is across uh well across the city right now the guy who would probably leave a mess everywhere i'm guessing just the guy that would you know beer cans cooking the guy that we would just have to scream at to clean up quite a bit oh. the guy on the opinions zach zach your thoughts <laughs> uh, you really hurting his feelings I, man. I am i know i'm i mean i'm not the cleanest i'm not ocd but I, i'm not a slob either my man I, I don't know i feel that's a little uh unfair maybe we should hey he's up there in the suburbs He's up there in the maybe, suburbs. Uh, that's true. Maybe it's from a former roommate of yours that I just get the mess. No, don't blame me for <laughs> don't blame me for my trust me. That was trying for my for me as well. That was rough. Uh, and then the other voice that you hear, uh, the guy that would try to take a guess, probably break something of note drunkenly in the first week, like actually break the TV or break a remote <laughs> or something like that. You know, a guy that may have broken his uh, head at some point doing something dumb drunkenly recently. Damn. Uh, the man on the ones and twos, Josh. <laughs> hey, man, my head is just fine. Uh, I'm having that kind of a Monday, though, even though we've had the Monday off. just uh, I, We used up all my luck this weekend. I'm in a very good state of mind, though. I'm here making some chicken. Uh, Bengals got their first playoff win. It's happy to be here on a remote 30-rack Monday. Ooh. Not all of us got this week off. But they got today off. But you know, you guys enjoy it while I you're was. while you're getting your chance. Some of us are hard working every day. Uh, yeah. And then <laughs> my voice that you hear, um, if you didn't get it by now, it's a little bit of a loud, carrying voice. So uh, the guy that would probably get punched in the throat on day two or three <laughs> after the other two get tired of hearing my voice from across the house. Uh, my name's Greg. I'm the host here at Thirty Rack. At least I've been told I have a slightly carrying voice people hear me from across the place people tell me i don't yell a lot but it's just kind of a normal talking voice to me so that's spot on i don't know that's yeah, that was pretty on. good yeah that's a hundred percent it's 100 but guys we've got an exciting show uh 
with us not all being together, a little bit different of a uh, of a beer show today, but still all the same hard-hitting analysis. And I think we're going to start right here with our headlines. With Greg. Turn off that Madonna, pause the movie Hook, and finally send that email. Because for the first time since 91, the Bengals have won a playoff game. Cincinnati took down Las Vegas 26-19. to Thanks to two touchdowns from Joe Burrow, 116 yards from Jamar Chase, and two turnovers by the defense. The second of which being a Jermaine Pratt interception to seal the game and send Cincinnati to a divisional round matchup Saturday afternoon in Tennessee. Hey-ho! Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) Since uh, being in a bizarre world where the Bengals win a playoff game, is on the menu uh, in Ohio. The Jackets really kept their end of the bargain. After a tough loss Tuesday in Chicago, the Jackets had possibly their best outing of the season, clobbering Carolina six to nothing behind an Elvis Merzlikens shutout and two goals from Igor Chinakov. That was followed up Saturday with one of the worst performances of the season, losing to Florida at nine to two, and uh, the goalie Merzlikens getting pulled within 14 minutes of the start of the game. Columbus now gets five days off before back-to-back Pennsylvania puck battles with the Flyers and the Pens. In the association, the Cavs had a super successful week, ending a tough six-game road trip with a 5-1 and record and winning the last four straight, including an 18-point comeback win in Oklahoma City to cap it off. The Cavs now sit sixth place in the East, but are just two and a half beyond the first-place bowls. They've had winning records on all three three-plus game road trips so far this season. And finally, to the college hardwood. The Buckeyes had another one-in-one week, losing at Wisconsin in a game they fell behind and never really got back into, 78-68, before surviving a scare to take down Penn State, 61-56. The Bearcats rebounded from a tough loss at Memphis last weekend with a pair of wins versus ECU and at Wichita State. Uh, Xavier dropped their second game versus Villanova in a heartbreaker, before scoring a comeback win versus Creighton. Ohio, the Bobcats, said is the only undefeated team in the MAC, 4-0, but face a huge test, hosting second place, 5-1, Toledo on Friday. And Cleveland State fell to second in the horizon after dropping a hard-fought game versus the 7-0 Oakland Golden Grizzlies, while the Wright State Raiders sit within striking distance in third place. Guys, those are your OH headlines. For our beer of the week this week, we actually have some beers of the week uh, with us all in our respective homes for this episode. We all have our own special Ohio beer for this week. Josh, what Ohio beer are you sipping on during this fine episode? Well, guys, I'm actually pulling out one from uh, our holiday episode that we did, um, pulling one from that box that uh, Greggy left here. And uh, as he mentioned in the Ohio uh, headlines, the OH headlines, uh, Blue Jackets on a bit of a all over the place right now, as you will have with rebuilds. I'm drinking the Brewdog Cannon Blast, the Blue Jackets uh, Pale Ale. Uh, Fire that cannon up, which uh, 
yeah, one night, you know, you could see that anywhere from, I feel like five to 10 times you could get a cannon blast. And then the next night or two nights, none. So blue jackets all over the place right now. Certainly entertaining to watch in a great American pale ale from Brewdog to celebrate them. Yeah, it's one of the cool ones you can see all around, you know, if you go to Nationwide or, or just see it around the Columbus area. Nice to see, you know, the local sports teams teaming up with um, with BrewDog, which is turning out to be a pretty huge brewery in the Columbus area, especially with their own, as we mentioned in the holiday episode, their own, uh, oh yeah, you know, hotel and uh, several tap rooms. Zach, what are you drinking for this fine episode? I've got me a nice Great Lakes Conway's Irish Ale. Um, probably my favorite Great Lakes. If anybody's never had it. Oh, that's a bold statement. Delicious. Huh? I didn't say it's their that's best one. Statement. I said that's my favorite one, though. I'm not trying to make an argument. If people want to argue from an actual beer level, what's the best? I, it's just my favorite. I like it. It's a nice, you know, caramely ale. Delicious. So that's what I'm... Uh, sucking down right now i don't Very know did nice. we, do, did so, we uh, do the can we do the irish ale of theirs or no i don't, I don't think we've have. ever actually done their irish ale okay no, i think i don't I think know why i was thinking their, we did done their christmas ale and then i believe right. maybe one other yeah probably um, river or something like that guys my beer is i believe from a brewery that i don't think we've actually had on the show yet oh uh you can uh, tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, I'm drinking uh, Illyria's Finest, Illyria, Ohio's Unplugged Brewing Company. No. I'm drinking their Muni Lot, uh, Munich Lager, uh, based on, of course, the Muni Lot where people go to drink before Browns games. Not as much anymore with the Browns, you know, not making into the postseason. But either way, um, it's a nice, you know, it's your Munich lager, so it's fairly light, but it's nice and, you know, full flavored for, for the beer that it is. Only 5%, so not bad. And uh, definitely seems like a beer you could sit out on a cold day in the Muni lot and uh, suck a, a few down before watching the Browns disappoint you. <laughs> that, that, that sounds like a good one. That's a good looking little garage brewery up there in Elyria. We have not had that one. No. Yeah, they look like they even have... Uh, you know, just looking at their website, they have some um, delivery and whatnot. They they just had their uh, one year anniversary uh, Imperial Stout Ooh. that they are. Uh, it's a it's called Transient Folk. It's a twelve percent Imperial Stout. So, wow. damn. If you're up in the uh, Cleveland Deliria area, be sure to check out yeah. Unplugged Brewing. Well, those are some uh, a good mixed bag of beers, guys. Um, we've never done this remote show before, so I was debating no. telling us to get some some outside of Ohio beers, but glad we got a new one in there with uh, Greg's Unplugged Brewing. That'd be a good idea, actually, though, if we were well, able to do a remote one again. And I, and I heard, outside. I heard talk. I heard talk, gentlemen, that you two <laughs> were brewing a beer sometime soon. I thought that you were maybe going to bring that. Oh, well, we were, yeah, we were supposed to till uh, Tony Caroni decided to, uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, put a halt to that. So we invited you. So, yeah, hopefully we'll, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll get that rescheduled for a few weeks here. A 30 rack beer coming soon. Yeah, we'll do a 30 rack. There you go. Get it going. Oh, man. 
that'll be that'll be a beautiful day for IPAs and, and beers all around or whatever beer we decide to brew. So <laughs> it's supposed to be an IPA, be at least this out. first one is gonna the, be an IPA. Uh, the thirty rack when we take over the Ohio uh, the Ohio beer pyramid here in just a few years. <laughs> yeah. For our first segment of the show, we're going into our crystal ball. This is going to be mostly a, a crystal ball kind of show. You know, new year, new us, looking into the futures of a, of a lot of franchises at some uh, at some pivotal points. Um, we're going to start with the Bengals at a pivotal point, a place that they haven't been in uh, a few decades, the divisional round. Uh, the Bengals beat the Las Vegas Raiders 26 to 19 on Sunday face the Tennessee Titans, the number one seed. They got the week off last week um, in Nashville, Saturday afternoon. Do they advance? Uh, right now, opening line has the Titans minus three and a half over under 47. Not a whole lot in that line. You know, you think neutral site, that's probably maybe a one point line. So mm-hmm. Josh, after the big win, how how optimistic are you moving into the next week? Uh, you know, the way things fell, uh, originally going into the week, you know, I said on last week's show, I think I'd want to play the Bills. Now, after seeing what the Bills did uh, Saturday uh, evening, I'm not sure I want to play the Bills. Uh, you look at the Bills and, you know, a very complete team. You could argue they're the hottest team in the AFC, maybe in the whole league right now. Uh, And while I think the Bengals can make it to the AFC championship game, I think they can be okay this week and scrape, scrape one by you worry about whether a, they can beat Kansas city twice, which seems like an astronomical thing to ask any team to do or B deal with Buffalo right now who just played the NFL's first ever perfect game on offense and has the best passing defense in the league. Yep. No, uh, no field goals, no punts by, by the bills. Every drive ended either in the end of a half or with the touchdown. So taking a look, uh, you know, as we mentioned, uh, the Bengals did beat Las Vegas, uh, you know, had some struggles at times, uh, especially in the red zone. Only two of five on their red zone opportunities. Yeah. Also gave up some big yards to Josh Jacobs. A uh, few times where, you know, you could say bailed out, but, you know, correct call most of the time. But, uh, you know, right. kind of bailed out. Josh Jacobs still six and a half yards per carry. And if some of those calls aren't made, you know, he's probably closer to seven yards a carry. So uh, the one thing is the Titans – um, Derrick Henry, their uh, all-pro running back, is returning to practice this week. So that's a big, you know, yeah, issue think, for the um, for the Bengals. I think that's the big one there, Greg. Is that Derrick Henry is going to make his return? Um, it seems like he's been at healthy, if not able to start practicing for at least a week or two now, um, maybe two to three weeks. Uh, and some breaking news for the Bengals this afternoon, Larry Joby has been placed on the injured list. Um, so it is unlikely that he will, we will see him the rest of the season. Trey Hendrickson, uh, head injury. He's, uh, he left the game as well and he is questionable. 
um, to play this week as well. So not only is Derrick Henry returning, you also are going to have little to nothing off the edge uh, defensively for Cincinnati. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can look at Tannehill. He's been sacked 17 times in the last four games. You kind of have to go with that game plan for that to make that offense one-dimensional and at least keep Derrick Henry, you know, not out of control. Um, kind of something Luke Fickle said in the Alabama game, you know, like they're going to get points, you know, that's going to happen, but let's not let things get out of control. So going back to where I think they can make it, you know, I think Zach Taylor can game plan to make Tennessee one dimensional and steal a win there. But do I trust Zach Taylor to be able to game plan for taking on Buffalo? Uh, you know, he's earned a lot of trust this season, but he's still a very young coach with a lot to learn. He's got a tough, tough two weeks of game planning. Uh, I would say, you know, Henry is a, is a decent part, but I wouldn't say he's all of the offense, you know, uh, with Henry and without Henry, just their offensive output pass yards per game are basically the same rush yards per game actually dropped by about 12. So, and they're a team that's actually four and one this year when they have less than a hundred rush yards. Uh, you mentioned, Sacking Tannehill is, is huge. He's sacked multiple times in all five losses and two and four when he sacked four or more times. I think an interesting stat, and I don't know if it's quite indicative, but it was just kind of a weird, uh, you know, aberration that I kind of saw from um, what Tennessee's done in their games this year. So their lowest uh, scoring output this season is uh, 13 points, which has happened to them four times. All four of those are losses. And one of those was that final regular season game, wasn't it? Uh, No, it was the second to last game. It was third to last, something like that. Yeah, because they they squeaked by the the Texans in their last game. Um, But when they do not score 13 points, all of which were more, when they score more than 13 points, they are 11-1 and on the season. (laughs) So, Fun stats. uh, Zach. Yeah, Zach, early, early uh, thoughts about the Bengals. You know, they looked impressive last week, but uh, it was kind of a, I would say, the most neutral party when talking about the Bengals. What were your thoughts on them last yeah. week and, and moving into this Titans matchup? Um, man, first thing, I, I thought they were going to blow that. I was, <laughs> I was, I was so sure Derek Carr was going to have a signature moment. Um, no, but they got it done. Uh, yeah, I thought for the most part they're impressive. Uh, Reasons for concern, uh, red zone offense. I mean, they're playing, I mean, what Oakland is, or not Oakland, Vegas was probably what the worst red zone defense. I think like 80%, yeah. something like that. Um, you know, the inability, they could easily blown that game completely wide open. Um, I think that's a little bit concerning. Um, and I think looking ahead, you know, Tennessee, I get where people are thinking maybe Tennessee over Buffalo is still the better option. I I don't know. Something about Buffalo. I don't buy Buffalo's defense. I think they're, you know, I think they played a new England team who, you know, I think Belichick deserves some credit, but had a lot of flaws that they were able to disguise that the bills just kind of took advantage of. I almost rather have that option. Like I said, I don't buy the bills defense. Um, And I think, you know, against Tennessee, you're going to have a, you know, play much better defense and, um, you know, offensively, I don't know. I'm not going to lean on the Derrick Henry coming back. You don't know what you're getting out of that. Um, he could be refreshed. He could be rusty. He was showing signs of, 
you know, all that workload over the last several years, I thought early in the season looked like it was starting to take its toll. So, but I think like Greg pointed out, you know, statistically speaking, they really didn't drop off offensively without him. So, you know, I think I'd be more concerned with the Bengals defense that at times has been opportunistic in the back, but, um, you know, still, I think was like 21st um, in the NFL on pass at least 10 yards through the air um, going up against a guy like AJ Brown. I think that's going to be key. And I think trying to get pressure on Tannehill, but you know, maybe with some of those injuries, I think that's going to be potentially difficult. So well, and what you said, you bring up a good point with the Titans defense. I mean, above anything else, I think one thing we haven't talked about that is of major concern is whether Joe Mixon will show up or not. And right. you know, the Raiders by no means have a bad rush defense, but pretty middle, middle of the road. Uh, the Titans rush defense gives up the fourth least yards per carry, only 3.9 yards per carry on average. And they've only given out three rushes all season long that have 20 yards or more. So that's the least in the NFL. And, you know, Joe Mixon started off pretty good, had a great middle of the season, at, regularly rushed for an average of at least four yards, but now he's only averaged four more yards per carry in his last six games. He's played um, not, not once, not once in his last six games as he averaged more four more yards per carry. So you yeah. really struggle when it's, you worry that if he really struggles, Joe Burrow is going to get in his head, go superhero mode, get too aggressive, and the game's going to be over real quick. I think uh, that yeah. could be a huge concern. Uh, you know, I, I would say, first off, going back to Zach's point, I, I think one of the most important things is, as you mentioned, having, you know, Brown and Julio Jones back in the lineup, you know, their worst, I guess, month of the season was kind of that like late, November, early December, where they lost, you know, three of four, and their only win was against the Jaguars. Yeah, I'm pretty sure this is uh, only their you know where they were of the season, the fifth game of the season that Brown, uh, Henry, and Jones will play together. Yeah, because Jones missed a lot of the middle of the season. You know, um, Henry was gone after the first eight weeks, so their you know their worst part was when they didn't basically didn't have any of them. I think the first game they had Brown, but they didn't have Brown for the next, you know, two or three weeks. And, you know, like I said, 13 points, 13 points, 20 points, 13 points, 20 points. And then they kind of got the offense started again. But I think going back to the Joe Mixon, you know, part of it, the one thing that I did notice, you know, especially in those red zone um, opportunities is it almost felt like when they were running Mixon and obviously you don't want to become a one dimensional team, but they were, kind of just uh stagnant or you know almost losing downs when they were running joe mixon you know there were a lot of you know one yard rushes no yard rushes and it would be something where you you know you throw an incomplete pass on first down and then next thing you know it's it's third and nine and then you're trying to force the ball in kind of a kind of a tough situation yeah yeah yeah, it's it'll be It'll be interesting to see what Joe Mixon shows up, which Zach Taylor shows up, um, and uh, yeah, what 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 will Derrick Henry look like after all this time? Yeah. So, guys, before we get to the prediction, we'll, we'll just say uh, you know one or two biggest keys to the game. Start with you, Zach. Biggest keys of the game? Yeah, I think um, number one is. 
I mean, they do have to be able to establish the runs. So yeah, I think like we kept talking about Joe Mixon. I think they have to find a way to um, consistently get him the ball to one protect Burrow back there and allow you know them to replay action, get receivers downfield, and then um, you know really number two is containing you know not only getting pressure on Tannehill, but yeah containing those wide receivers, finding different ways to mix up looks in the back end, be able to generate some kind of pressure. Yeah. Josh, what about you? Uh, yeah, I think it's going to have to be in Joe Mixon. You know, this past week I said my one key was that the Bengals are going to need to get an interception somewhere. And I was, I was astonished that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, and then <laughs> glory be uh, Jermaine Pratt comes in to seal the game. This week, I think the thing that has to statistically be broken is that the Titans, only three rushes allowed all year of 20-plus yards. Only three all season in 17 games. That's, that has to be broken, and that seems like a very hard thing to do, but you've got to get Joe Mixon going. You can't be averaging less than four yards the whole second half of the season. No, not at all. Not in playoffs. No. Yeah, I would say, you know, obviously the turnover battle is, is huge for the Bengals. Um, I think uh, I brought it up last week that they're undefeated when they um, when they win the turnover battle. But, uh, you know, Tannehill's a guy that also has 14, you know, interceptions on the year. So he's up yeah. in the top five along mm-hmm. with guys like Burrow and, and Derek Carr and some of the guys that you kind of face in that area. So, you know, if you can turn him over, I think the important part for the Bengals defense is if they can get pressure and force the ball into Tannehill's hands to try to beat him. I, you know, I don't think you want AJ Brown running loose, you know, allowed to make some moves after a catch, obviously if they command the running game. And then I think it goes back to, um, you know, putting them away or making the most of your opportunities. You looked at the Bengals and, you know, they had plenty of chances to go up, you know, two touchdowns or, or I think maybe even 17 at one point. And, you know, they kicked two field goals in a row. You know, they got a turnover of car. They yeah. were right there and they, they ended up settling for a field goal. And it ended up, you know, they only had six points in the second half. And as Zach mentioned, you know, some of the fear kind of creeps in your head when, you know, Derek Carr's driving them down the field. Yeah. So I think if that happens against Tennessee, you know, you're probably looking at a rough day for Cincinnati fans. Yep. Oh yeah. Yeah. Tennessee will capital. Also mm-hmm. a little fun fact before we end the segment, you know, last time the Bengals were in the playoffs, beat the Oilers, then lost to the Oakland Raiders. Now, 32 years later, beat the Las Vegas Raiders and now are facing the new <laughs> iteration of the Houston Oilers in the Tennessee Titans. Chris so Cross. maybe a little bit of a changing of the guard for the Bengals. Who knows? There you Chris go. Cross. Chris Cross. Chris Cross. Circling back around to our beers of the week. Uh, beers from um, Great Lakes, Unplugged Brewing, and Josh, where are you drinking a beer from? Brew Dog. The Brew Dog. So uh, beers, you know, in the Columbus and Cleveland area. Uh, don't really have anything to read today, but uh, Zach, how are you enjoying your Great Lakes brew? 
Oh, it's delicious. Like I said, one of my favorite. You want me to go ahead and read? Sure. If you got anything on the side, read. I do actually. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I have a, they put a little, little something on here. Um, a pint for puck. Oh, sorry. Restart. I usually do these first take, right guys. But, um, a pint Always. for Pa Conway, our co-owner's grandfather and police officer who'd likely uphold that in Irish ale with full-bodied caramel malt flavors is just the ticket. <laughs> Get it? <The> ticket. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't, I didn't realize it was one of the brewer's uh, grandfathers that was the old Conway. That's a yeah. very cool little story. That is cool. Oh, yeah, uh, that's neat. The, uh, the Muni Lot Munich Lager from uh, Unplugged Brewing says on the side, relax, drink beer, which I nice. think is really what everybody can do, especially during these times, especially uh, during the weekend for you two, as both the Bengals and the Packers have some divisional rounds. Mm-hmm. And I will actually be able to just relax and drink beer because I don't have to worry about the Browns disappointing me on Saturday. <laughs> or Saturday. <laughs> Josh, what about you? How is... Your brew dog uh, cannon blast reading you. Uh, the cannon blast is great. It's a very uh, drinkable pale ale, uh, right up my my alley. I love a good piney pale ale, easy drinking. Uh, I'm learning though. So this is, was about 2019 season that brew dog came out with this uh, cannon blast, and they let the fans decide what the name of it was going to be. Uh, really. <laughs> Yes, and it was down to three names. Uh, the other two names, one was just Trash Talk, which mm. I'm not big on. The other one was Puck Bite. Puck Bite. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, that's yeah, why I feel I'm like, like oh, thank God we went with Cannon. <laughs> <laughs> and for anyone that's not super familiar with the, uh, with the Blue Jackets, uh, Cannon Blast is big because they have – the cannon that's in the arena that they fire at the beginning of the game and then after every goal. So you get the, you get the big cannon blast coming up and, you know, it's one of those kind of uh, rally cries for the, uh, for the blue jacket. So definitely after those other two trap, like trash talk, I'm definitely happy they picked yeah. cannon blast because cannon- I think that one kind of <laughs> fits Columbus a little bit yeah. more than the other two. Absolutely. Oh yeah, definitely. But I'm glad we're kind of going all over Ohio. Uh, we've got three Ohio beers here because um, I've got all sorts of stuff all over Ohio and what's brewing Ohio later in the show. Oh, dope. Well, we'll get to what's brewing Ohio, but first we're going to go to baseball. And I know baseball is on a lockout, but we've got a little bit of MLB signings to discuss. recent news on the fronts of uh, the Reds and the now Guardians is uh, the international window is open so uh, international players don't go through the normal uh, MLB draft like the US players so they're just kind of signed based on bonuses usually a little bit younger than what you might see from your you know 18 year old or college kids a lot of these kids you know 16 17 18. And a lot of these guys that will say, you know, some of them are, you know, all of them are top 50. Uh, usually you don't see them for four to six years because like we said, they're 17, 18, you know, the 2015 list had uh, Vlad jr. Juan Soto, 
uh, Jordan Alvarez, and then Jazz Chisholm, who was just a rookie, you know, this past year. So that was six years. You know, Vlad and Soto were were four or so years. Uh, you know, Wander Franco was a top three prospect in 2017. He just debuted this past year. Luis Robert was in 2020. So you, you know, you're not going to see any of these guys in probably less than three years. More likely in that four to six year range. But starting with the Reds, who had a very nice, uh, you know, international window, they got uh, Ricardo Cabrera, who was a shortstop, 17 years old, uh, number three overall signee. So, like we mentioned, you know, some guys like Soto was number three, Wanda Franco was number three. So, you know, really good signing for the Reds. Um, also, Antoine Valencia is uh, a 17 year old, also a shortstop. Uh, just noted, he was the shortest of the top 50 at five foot eight. Still almost average height, if you ask most people. <laughs> um, and then number 49 is E. Smith Pineda, who's a, uh, another 17-year-old outfielder. So uh, some strong young talent coming in. Uh, you know, Red's front office maybe putting in some effort. We'll see. Uh, you know, Josh, what are your thoughts on the offseason signings? And then moving forward, when baseball resumes, what are the signings you'd like to see at maybe a uh, major league level? Well, first of all, Greg, I'm not sure if you're hearing this in the background, but it sounds like there's a little Red Legs fan quite excited about this over at the Redmond household. Oh, uh, yeah. No, that, that's crying, Josh. We <laughs> <laughs> shouldn't say crying, screaming. Yeah. Oh, she might be crying or screaming over uh, the 37 mil or the, excuse me, the 67 million <laughs> owed over the next couple of seasons to two, uh, two ball players that we'll talk about in a little bit. But <laughs> as far as Ricardo Cabrera goes, I think it's a great signing. Uh, the scouts say that he's a great contact hitter. You know, one of those guys that's just hits for contact, sprays the line drives all across the yard. Um, and then just great athleticism too. Um, the Red Scouts have had their eye on him for years now, they were saying, and they're excited what they can do for him over the next few seasons. Like Greg was saying, you know, a lot of these guys that are made it up recently took them four to six, seven years, but they've turned out quite nicely. Yeah. Especially when you get, you know, near the top, like we mentioned to some of these guys, uh, doesn't look like we quite have numbers on what they've signed for. You know, if you look at some of these top guys, some of them have signed, you know, bonuses of, two and a half to 4 million. So could be looking at a little bit of cash, but you know, if these guys pan out like your Soto's or Wander Franco's, then I think you're more than happy to shout yeah. a couple million dollars it's money well spent. And I, I can't off the top of my head, remember what it was, but it was a couple million for Cabrera at least. Um, as far as crystal ball goes for the move this off season, uh, like I was saying, you've got two players that two underproductive players that are due uh, 67 million over the course of the next two to three seasons. Uh, that's Mike Moustakis and Eugenio Suarez. I'm saying the Reds will deal. Ooh. I'm saying the Reds will deal Jake Sweeney's favorite new guy in town, Mike Moustakis. Personally, I can't do another year of those commercials with the guy who plays injured half the time, plays half the time. His previous, his past two seasons with the Reds, he's only averaged a 217 at the plate, only 14 home runs. Who, and that's what I thought he was supposed to be. 
uh, only 49 RBI. And he's due 34 million over the next two seasons. I'm pretty sure it's 16 million this season, 18 million in the fourth season of the contract. Uh, he's injury prone. I think there are some teams out there that would maybe take that veteran guy and take a chance on him. Um, but you've got to, you know, the Reds have made it very clear. The objective of this offseason is to offload payroll. I don't like it. I think it's stupid. They're going to cut spending a lot, but that's just what it is. And, and I think the best thing to do is cut Moose. Get, dump yeah, uh, money somehow. Right now, Moose is heading into his age 33 season. is owed $16 million this year, $18 million next year, and then has a very unlikely club option of uh, $20 million in 2024. Yeah. Yeah, and, and Suarez, while he's... With a $4 million buyout, though. Yeah. Suarez, he's owed $33 million, which is just $1 million less than Suarez, but that's over the next three seasons, and it's split evenly, only $11 million each season. And in his last 25 games this past season, he slashed 370, 460, 808, eight home runs. That's in 25 games. You know, you may not like it. That's... I don't like it either, but that's what the owners have said they're going to do. You know, infield Suarez, Farmer, India, Vado, let it ride and build it up. I, I don't know what to say about the Reds right now. That's what they said they want to do. That's what they're going to do. Yeah, right now they have their, you know, top four guys that are signed. Everybody else is, you know, in that uh, arbitration or beforehand. Uh, as you mentioned, Suarez, uh, $11 million the next three years plus a, you know, $300,000 signing bonus. So, and then a club option in 2025 when he would be 33 years old, still 30 years old, still should be in the uh, prime of his career, but the last two or so years have not quite no. been up to stuff. No. So what are we thinking Northwise about those signings? So uh, going Northwise, uh, the newly named, Cleveland Guardians uh, did Not. have, um, you know, two uh, top 40 signings, uh, two 16-year-olds, uh, Jason Turrio, an outfielder, 16 years old, and then uh, Victor Isturis, uh, nice, a 16-year-old catcher. Is it? Oh, okay, I was trying to figure out what they uh, You know, related to Cesar Isturis, a longtime MLB uh, infielder, I guess, second yeah. baseman shortstop. So, uh, you know, some, some good signings, uh, as we, you know, as we've talked about, uh, right now the Reds are 15 in, uh, in salary, you know, just over a hundred million kind of right at the league average or so, you know, maybe 10 million under, uh, at the bottom <laughs> of the, uh, of the salary range, uh, if you go total payroll, you know, some of uh, the Pirates and the Orioles, I guess, have a little bit less to their major league roster, but you go all the way down to 29 million in what they're totally guaranteed. The Cleveland Guardians. Yep. Zach, Sounds what are you like looking a... for out of this team? Are we just going <laughs> to let it ride with, you know, like mm. basically one person on a non arbitration contract? Right. <laughs> 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 it could go that way. Um, I mean, I expect them to definitely spend. I mean, I think that a little bit more. We're not talking. I don't even think they'll get to 100, obviously. Uh, that'd be crazy. Um, you know, I think, obviously, 
a lot's going to depend on the lockout and that whole situation, how quickly that gets resolved and, you know, who's kind of left behind that could play well into their hands. You know, if the guys are just getting desperate once it's done and, you know, might be able to swing a couple deals. Um, I mean, if you're asking me maybe one deal I'd like to make, cause I, I very much do, you get a lot of mixed reviews. I'm on, I'm one of the optimists. I, I do like the bones and overall, overall pieces of the roster. Um, they just still need to fill a couple voids. Um, my big thing who I think is a logical, potentially, you know, someone that they could afford um, and would fill a big hole would be, uh, you know, Michael Conforto, um, the former Met, um, you know, on the free agent market at 28. Uh, last year or so, maybe not quite been where he was before, but, you know, battle with some injuries and stuff. But I think, you know, he'd be a guy who could lock that down, um, add a little pop, a little average, um, be a veteran presence on what, last year most likely probably will be this year the youngest team in baseball um so i mean that's kind of where i would that's where i'd go spend the money i think they got you know the other big hole second base i think they've got a lot of internal options there um and that would really just leave the other corner outfield spot who again i think there's a a few possibly intriguing options to fill one of those other corner outfielder spots but um that that's what i'd be looking for i think that's a very logical logical option and you know looking at what's going on and obviously you know the reds and the guardians you don't really expect to see big game hunters but there are still a ton of players on the market a few of them kind of jumped at early deals to get in before the lockout you know worried about how salaries and whatnot would be affected by the new deal but there are you know still plenty of you know solid players that have helped you know from outfield mm-hmm. to infield, obviously there are some of your, you know, big, uh, big fish like your, you know, Castellanos, uh, you know, Chris Bryant, Carlos Correa, stuff like that. But there are also, you know, a lot of your, you know, outfielders, like you said, Conforto, uh, Jorge Soler, you know, guys like that. So still a lot of people, oh, you know, still a lot of players under, uh, or, you know, on the free agent market that you expect to see, you know, go at varying degrees. Cause like you mentioned, no one can sign contracts right now. If you don't get back to baseball till, you know, late February, or early March, I'm curious who knows how, what's going to happen with the free agent market. No, yeah, yeah. Curious how much it's going to affect free agency and how much teams like the Indians are going to, excuse me, the guardians are going to have to, uh, adjust to like trade pieces you know uh you know you've got stefan and young are both young pitchers that still have some control left under them but then you also have henches and al allen they uh no options left on them you know you got a lot of young young arms that you're going to have to make decisions on too and if the lockout continues you know that's Mm -hmm. something a lot of teams are starting to look at is if the lockout continues and if you're trying to you know, build or even just stay afloat. How, how much help can you really get out of free agency, especially if there's going to be a quick turnover? Yeah. And I mean, the other thing that you wonder is, you know, some of these guys are taking, you know, some, some interesting deals just to try to get their name back out there, especially guys that have struggled. You know, you look at some guys coming, you know, just on the one year deals, like, you know, right even before, 
lockout. You had like a Clint Frazier going to the Cubs, you know, uh, Quintana going to the Pirates, some guys just trying to, you know, after some tough seasons, try to raise it up or try to, you know, raise their market value. And when, you know, you only have so much time to sign with players. Uh, well, I guess one here with the lockout, um, you know, any quick thoughts from you guys, uh, you know, positive about the lockout, um, the owners floated a deal over to the players. It didn't seem to be, you know, quite what the players were looking for. It seemed to be quickly denied. Uh, when do you guys think we will get back to baseball? Do you think spring training will be affected? Do you think the season will be affected? Or, or at this point, when do you think we'll get back to baseball? Uh, I think we, when we talked about this earlier, I think I was overly optimistic. I think I said they'd be about close to a deal <laughs> about now. I don't think that's even close. Um, I think the word is the inability of the owners to probably really concede much. Um, I definitely think spring training is going to be affected. I mean, I think you'd be looking at April potentially as a potential, you know, so probably definitely missing some games, pushing, you know, a shortened or quicker spring training, uh, obviously a very tight free agency window. Um, so I, I'm going to go, yeah, sometime around early April right now is where I feel. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'll agree with you, Zach. I, I think you're, definitely looking at missing games at this point. I think you get into a real dangerous territory here of shortening spring training, um, at, you know, twice in what, four years here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and it just further shows how, you know, having the commissioner that you have right now and not being able to, you know, manage the league through all this is, is just murdering the sport right now. Goddamn Manfred. Uh, Greg, your thoughts. Um, I'm hopeful that they can figure out something, you know, in March, I still think when, you know, the money hits, hits the wall and people realize that they might be losing out on sales that, uh, you know, they'll figure it out. But I'm not super confident in my prediction. Yeah. So let us know at 30 Racket Sports, what do you think baseball will be back? Pre-spring training, missing spring training, or missing games altogether? We are going up to Northeast Ohio and talking a little bit of basketball. The Cavs, as we reset after a afternoon slate of MLK day games. The Cavs now sit fourth place in the East, just two games back of Chicago at the top. The real question is, guys, do the Cavs stay in the top six seeds they would need to make the playoffs and avoid that play-in tournament? And how far can this team go, Josh? I mean, Greg, you're the Cavs fan here. I think the I think the Cavs are looking very, very nice. Look, very nice. Can can be a top six seed come playoff time. Can I I don't know. I mean, you tell me. Just just because I think they're doing great. Um, I think, you know, taking a look at the Cavs going into this season, I, I would have been happy at the beginning of the season, if you said, you know, they were in that play-in tournament spot right now, but with as well as they played, especially, you know, five and one 
on that road trip, lot, won that game today against, you know, Brooklyn, who was without KD, but, you know, is still right now a top three seed. You look at a lot of these teams and, you know, I would say maybe it's, you know, high hopes that we'll be right now, but I, I would say it's almost kind of disappointing if, if the Cavs fall out of that top six. You know, there's a little bit of a buffer between six and seven right now. And you look at the top five, and you have, you know, two of the top three seeds in Chicago and Brooklyn missing key pieces in Zach Levine and Kevin Durant. You have the Bucks, who have been kind of a, an underwhelming team at times this year. You know, obviously uh, reigning NBA champs. Sometimes there's kind of that hangover where you don't quite play your best basketball during the regular season. And then you have those two teams in the Heat and the, the 76ers that have been hot recently. But, you know, you wonder how sustainable that is you really look below them and you wonder, you know, are the Hornets, Raptors, Wizards, like are any of those teams really a better team than the Cavs? I I don't think so. And I would say the Cavs should stay in the top six. The one worry that I would have is, you know, obviously injuries, very thin at the guard spot right now. You know, Rondo's out, but, you know, over the season losing Sexton, losing Rubio, you know, they have, uh, uh, Brennan Goodwin, who they signed to a uh, you know a ten day then a two way contract, getting some minutes at guard because they're just so thin there. I think if they can stay healthy, especially at that guard spot, and have you know hopeful potential all stars in, in Darius Garland and Jared Allen stay healthy, you know right now they have the best point differential in the Eastern Conference, uh, plus five point one points per game. One of the best defensive teams in the Eastern Conference, only averaging, you know, give up just over 102 points per game. They're a very good team on both sides of the ball and a team that you expect to, you know, keep this going on for the rest of the season. Yeah, I mean, I, I think they're – I think they definitely have the potential to make some noise in the playoffs. They're borderline, like, go for it. Uh, this year I feel like I mean 102.4 points per game allowed that's second best defense in the NBA right there like you said their point differential is best in the east uh, I don't I'm sure you remember Greg they had that five game skid in November um, but since then the Cavs have only lost seven and five of those seven were by 10 points or less so even when they're losing they're in these games um, only two of those games really were out of those reach that I just mentioned. And the other teams in the yeah. East you're bringing up, these plus 600 Cavs got to 600 tonight, actually. And if you look at the other four plus 600 teams in the East, the Cavs are five and three against those teams, plus 73 overall point differential um, in all of those games. And, you know, they've got – they had today against uh, Brooklyn, but then they've also got two of those next four games against Milwaukee and um, – Chicago, a huge stretch for the Cavs right here, but but like I feel like they're pulling it off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know you take a look at as you mentioned, there there two worst stretches were the one five game losing streak in you know mid November, uh, you know lost to Boston on a back to back scenario, and then lost to Brooklyn twice, who's you know a top now top three, but we're a top two seed in the East, especially at full power. And then Phoenix and Golden State, who are both, you know, the top two seeds in the West. They're really only other, you know, tough stretch when they lost, uh, you know, five of seven 
was, you know, right around Christmas going into the new year, that was when they were missing, you know, a ton of players on the COVID list, especially, you know, between uh, that postponed game in Atlanta through the end of the year where they lost, uh, you know, four or five. So really aside of those, you know, they've been on some solid win streaks. They've had a couple, you know, five game win streaks, six game win streaks. So they've been a team that can win also have won both, you know, at home and on the road. Yeah. And I, I just, they've got so many guys that are stepping up when guys go down though. As we look, I mean, going in the next month, the, the Cavs have a chance to light this city up. I mean, if they stay, you know, where they are right now in the top five of the East, you could be looking at bringing the all-star celebrations to Cleveland with Jared Allen as an all-star, maybe Evan Mobley as an all-star. I mean, what do you guys think about the all-star situation? Or Garland. Or Gar- yeah, or Garland. <laughs> yeah, uh, right now, uh, top 10, you know, top 10 voting uh, all-star. The fans get 50% of the vote. Media gets 25. Players get 25. But, you know, you have both Allen and Garland in the top 10. Allen in sixth in the front court. Garland in ninth in the guards. Well behind some of your, you know, top guys like your, mm-hmm. you know, Giannis's and, and Kevin Durant's and whatnot. But still in very good place where the Cavs could have, as you mentioned, two maybe on a very outside chance three, but you would expect to see two, especially with the all-star game in Cleveland. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you'd hope so. I mean, the place could be electric here. I mean, the Cavs have a chance to really build some momentum as they ride out. What are we about three, three months out just under the 37 games. Yeah. They, they, I think they just played their, their 47th game uh, today. So, so, they're just a little bit past yeah they're just a little bit past you have your your 35 (laughs) games left to go i think uh uh, looking at this i just i was just gonna i was thinking when you guys were talking and obviously agree with everything you said i just man you just think if uh sometimes when teams are playing this well and you're just like ah what if sexton didn't get hurt you know i think there's some of that feeling i don't know what you think greg obviously but just with um, adding that extra scoring punch in there and kind of that borderline, you know, almost superstar level talent to what is obviously a very well-rounded, great team all around. Yeah. I mean, you, you wonder at points how he would fit, you know, yeah. like he's been a guy that's been kind of a, a volume shooter on a bad team, but you think right. if he can, you know, if he can show up certain nights, cause I mean, you look at the leading score, you know, since that Atlanta game, you know, Garland, Love, mm-hmm. Rubio, Mobley, Stevens, Allen, you know, just all these random guys, you know, <laughs> they've yeah. had guys that, you know, when they need to step up, have, have stepped up and, and put up some big points. And I think he's a guy, you know, he's a guy that you, you saw last year when the Cavs were, you know, maybe only 20 games to the season at, you know, 12 and eight or whatever. He was a guy that could put up 40 on any night. And I think having him and Garland and it, you know, at the top, maybe you're hurt a little bit defensively, but there are guys, you know, either of them can put up 30 on you like it's nothing. And I think it's something that also will stress out the defense, you know, if, if he was back, if right. he does, especially, I mean, you know, heck, worst case, you would put him off the bench as, you know, kind of a bench spark plug. 
Yeah. You know, kind of having a guy that can come off the bench and, and get his own shot is huge, especially with as thin as the Cavs are in that guard position. Having another guy would be huge, especially oh, down the stretch. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah, I don't like to be that guy. I'm just, I'm always that guy, whether it's my teams or anything, when you're like, ah, but what if we had him now? You know, when things are going so well. I I was borderline like, man, you know, this team is, this team is looking to be actually pretty good. Like they're borderline, make some moves here and go for it all. Mm -hmm. But it'll be really interesting to see how the next month plays out, especially with things coming to uh, Cleveland for the all-star festivities definitely yeah and I, I think you you've started to see uh you know some of the murmurs about you know trades and whatnot uh they do yeah. have some of the the hardship money from like you know Sexton and whatnot you've heard uh you know Karis LeVert from um Indianapolis you've heard Joe Harris from the Nets a guy that's kind of fallen out of the rotation a little bit as as a small forward you've heard you know some veteran guards like like Dragic and it's just a question of how much are you willing to give up what it would cost and how it would affect the team. I think adding another veteran guard, especially maybe a shooting guard, if they could get Levert for the right price, I think would be huge, but also with such a young team, you don't want to mortgage your future or have to trade any solid young pieces for a rental when you're still probably, you know, I wouldn't put my money on my, on the caps to get out of the East. I think they can make some noise, but you know, still it's it's very early for a team like that ways away. Yeah. We're getting excited. We're getting excited. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> we're getting excited. And I think to end this segment, you know, we're, everyone high on the calves. Um, I guess just, just two things to end it. One, you know, April 10th, mid April, end of the season, where do you see the calves and uh, you know, mid February, how many calves do you see in the all-star game, Josh? Uh, you know, mid February, I think you'll see at least two calves. Um, in the all-star game, uh, Jared Allen especially is really starting to light things up. He's a top, been a top 10 rebounder all season long. Uh, he's top three field goal percentage right now, uh, double, double three of his last four games. I mean, he's just been an animal off the glass lately. I think he definitely deserves a shot in and then, yeah, get one of these, you know, I, I think you definitely see Garland, I'd love to see Evan Mobley in there. I don't know if he makes it though, but I think you've got a good shot of for sure. One should be two. And then uh, where do you see the Cavs at the end of the year? Oh, sorry. Where do I see the Cavs at the end of the year? Um, I, I see them as a top five uh, seed. I mean, I, I've been, I've held out for a long time on if they're for real or not, but they've played through multiple stretches of adversity now and are, I think one of the best, teams in in the league zach what about you um yeah as far as all-star game goes um yeah obviously you know with them being the home or you know them hosting it'd be great to have more uh, i i think probably one's probably most likely um on that front you know as far as where i see them at the end of the year um you know i was kind of digging through kind of some of these remaining schedule rankers and stuff like that. Um, I mean, the Cavs are coming in pretty high at, you know, toughness with the eighth hardest schedule potentially. Um, now that doesn't mean anything. I think they played well overall. So I, I don't know if you'd keep them at four, but I, I, I think they, uh, I think they'll hold on to at least be, you know, out, outside the play and playing tournaments. So probably like six, 
it's probably maybe a little more, especially when you see some of these guys through a full season starts to wear on you a little bit. Yeah, I think, I think I'm going to agree with Zach here. Maybe I would say probably in that four to six range, more likely that five to six range, you know, kind of in that, like probably playing, unfortunately, Milwaukee, but maybe Milwaukee goes late. So you, you think maybe Miami, Philly, Chicago, something like that in the first round. Uh, you know, I, I just think, you know, they do have some tough schedules, but they've got their, you know, two West Coast road trips out of the way. You know, mm-hmm. their other, they only have a, I think two more, you know, three plus game road trips for the rest of the year. You know, they do have some tough games, but a lot of them are at home. You know, you get both the LA teams at home, you know, a lot of these West Western conference teams, you're kind of worried about you get at home and, you know, some of the top teams like Phoenix and and Golden State, you're done playing. Uh, As far as the all-star game, I I think I'm going to say two. I think normally if you would just say if the all-star game was in Portland this year, I would probably say one but I'll probably say two here. And then I think it'd be interesting to see Mobley. You're obviously going to see in the rookie showcase, but I'd be interested to see how many Cavaliers they try to get involved in some of these, you know, all-star Saturday ordeals. Um, be interested to see, you know, Mobley maybe in like a dunk competition and maybe Kevin Love back in a three-point competition. You know, Channing Fry was talking about it earlier in the week. So it'd be cool to see him back in a, in a competition, especially one in Cleveland. I want to do a self-correction, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I was looking at the strength of schedule. Uh, yeah, the strength of schedule played. The Cavs are eighth. Uh, the remaining the remaining schedule ranks 28th most difficult in the league. Or 27th, I'm sorry. So, yeah. I, I mean, I still feel good. Yeah, four to six. I just wanted to correct myself there for those at home. You're good You're for get to tweet accountability on this. Yeah, I know. I was trying to be accountable. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Someone's uh, someone's gonna pause it right there and go, "What the hell is that?" What the hell? Yeah, this hey, piece. Hey, everybody gets one. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Everybody gets one. Better than Fox. And hopefully, News, at so. the end of the season, or hopefully in February, we can see at least one, hopefully two Cavs in the All Star game. Just as a reminder, next month. President's Day weekend, all-star game in Cleveland, Ohio. What's Brewing Ohio? A great Ohio brewing segment for you guys today. Uh, We are headed to one of those best beer cities in America studies, uh, as we are one of the greatest beer states for beer in our country. Uh, and the three of us have all experienced greatness when it comes to uh, craft beers. Greg, an expert in the Cleveland brews and festivals, um, with the assistance of Dr. Dick, of course. <laughs> uh, Zach lived in Chico, California for some time. Zach, did you know that 90% of California now lives, 90% of California now lives within 10 miles of a craft brewery? Really? I didn't know that stat. I mean, yeah, they, I knew it had exploded up there too that's crazy how big that state is uh and then obviously we all live in cincinnati i recently visited Asheville for the first time Asheville, north carolina um known as beer city usa and it got me thinking about uh you know where things rank and all and so we went to a smart asset they've been doing uh the beer cities across best beer cities across america study for almost a decade now 
Um, they've got a bunch of various metrics that they use and they are weighted metrics. And uh, for the past two years, our, uh, our hometown, Cincinnati, Ohio, has been number one. Really? Uh, for the past two years. And actually, last year, Cincinnati was number one and Asheville, North Carolina, was number two. Uh, Cincinnati has the second most beers per brewery uh, this year. The second most beers per brewery, 128.4 beers per brewery. And that's like all beers. So like anything that, you know, Rheingeist has ever brewed. Mm. Um, Okay. uh, Lexington, Kentucky actually comes in at number one there with about 153 and a half beers per brewery. Uh, But guys, Cincinnati no longer is number one on that list. What? Uh oh. And actually, Uh-oh. don't tell me. Oh yeah, it's been overtaken by one of Cincinnati's least favorite cities, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, is now the number uh, one city for beer drinkers in America. And really? After looking at the metrics, it seems like they just like across all the metrics are very like, you know, above average. Um, one thing that helps them is this is like the best city for beer drinkers, so it also takes bars into account mm, okay. um, so pittsburgh has almost 30 bars per 100,000 residents um which is a lot um that's at least that's about 10 more um than both cincinnati and cleveland hmm. so i think they just you know hit enough of the metrics well enough that they right. can number one this year um it's a great, great at city. nothing good at everything yeah i mean it's a good city to drink yeah, in, they, sure. oh yeah but, but it's i don't number one Right, Cincinnati or Cleveland. Mm. Yeah, I think the 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 two places that they're better than Cincinnati based on these metrics. The two that I would say are more important, at least for us, is total breweries, which they're behind. Breweries per hundred thousand residents, which they're behind, only by a little bit, but behind. Number of beers per brewery, they're almost half behind, but Mm. they have more bars per 100,000 residents and then a cheaper average price of a pint. Right. Um, and that, you know, that, at least in the top 10, aside of Portland, Oregon, the other two highest are uh, Cincinnati Nashville at $5. But, you know, it, it, it's tough. Uh, Cincinnati falling behind Pittsburgh, Bend, Oregon, and Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah, with, with Milwaukee's an obvious one. Um, Bend, Oregon, for those wondering why that might be up there, uh, that's home to Deschutes Brewery, um, a very popular brewery throughout the country and uh, a lot of other great independent breweries there. Uh, but that price of pint is actually going to come into play a lot because there were a lot of shakeups, actually. Would you guys care to – I think Greg's got it pulled up. Zach, I'll ask you, care to take a, a guess at who the next Ohio City is behind Cincinnati on this list? At price per pint? Just overall in the rankings. Oh, just overall in the rankings. Um, hmm. Columbus? Uh, it's not Columbus. Close, but okay. Akron. 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 Ohio, yeah, okay. The, uh, the next Ohio City at number really? 15. They were previously oh. number 37. Mm. Uh, so they made a huge jump on this list. Yeah. Um, they've added about 17 and a half more beers per brewery. So a lot of the breweries up there have really gotten to, uh, gotten to brewing. Um, and the one thing that I noticed is they have the second cheapest yep. price per pint out of yeah, the top 50. I, I can believe that. Yeah. Average of $3 per pint in Akron, Ohio. Like <laughs> Greg said, one of the lowest on the list. Um, 
This only is only behind uh, one of uh, Zach's favorite cities in Springfield, Illinois. Oh God. Yep. Uh, Columbus is at number 17. Uh, they also moved up. They were previously number 27. So up 10 spots, uh, for there are about 10 breweries or excuse me, they gained about 10 more beers per brewery. And then they did also gain a few actual breweries, uh, all the way down. Then we jump a lot guys. That's it for the top 20 Cincinnati at number four, Akron at number 14, Columbus at number 17. Dayton comes in at number 40. They were previously just cracking the top 50 at number 50. Uh, They've added about seven and a half more beers per brewery. So a lot of the brewery growth in Ohio is just people are brewing uh, more beers and creating more variety out there. Um, Dayton also added a couple. And then the big shocker on this list, guys, what city haven't I mentioned yet? Cleveland, man. Cleveland. 70s? Have fallen all the way. 47. All the way to number 47 after in yeah. last, the last study, they were at number 10. So fall all the way out of the top 10 and almost out of the top 50. Cincinnati's, uh, excuse me, Cleveland's dramatic decline is, I think, a bit skewed from a metric that is used in the, the most bars per 100,000 residents. Uh, Cleveland lost about one bar per 100,000 residents. A lot, yeah. of, a lot of bars hit hard by the pandemic and stuff, um, which is unfortunate to see in Cleveland. And then also breweries, same reason, trying to stay afloat. Uh, The average price of the pint in Cleveland rose by more than a dollar, about a buck 15 more than it was last year on average to buy a pint in Cleveland, Hmm. which is crazy. Yeah. And I believe it's the highest, you know, just over, actually just over Cincinnati in Ohio, $5.12 $5.12 per pint. Uh, you know, certainly not one of the highest up here. I think you can see pints all the way up to like $7 per pint in Seattle, Washington, but certainly uh, quite a bit lower than the cheapest yeah. that you'll see, you know, but in I the think, $3 to $4 range. Oh, yeah. I think the three of us would protest a bit there. Cleveland, one of, I think, the best beer cities. Yeah. In the country. I mean, this one seems, I mean, it's very interesting. I think this, um, like I said, we talked about that one that ranked best beer cities nationally, but that that one had like you know Cleveland, Columbus, and yeah. uh, since they were all like top ten, and that this one was a little six. more quantitative, qualitative. This is just seems purely quantitative. Yeah, this is uh, a lot more metrics going on. Uh, most yeah. breweries, city home to the most breweries in the country, Chicago, a hundred one breweries. Mm-hmm. Um, just in the city of Chicago, most bars per 100,000, 56 bars per 100,000, uh, bars, of course, being a huge part in the distribution game for craft breweries, New Orleans. Yeah. So, guys. Yeah, I, I would say the other thing that you would have to see is, you know, Cleveland population versus, you know, once again, a lot of these breweries just outside Cleveland, like we've had a couple of breweries from, you know, uh, Parma, North Royalton. I'm drinking yeah. beer from Illyria, where you don't quite get that same amount as like a Appleton, Wisconsin, where they have they're just ahead of Cleveland, but they only have four breweries in the city. But mm-hmm. because of the smaller amount, you know, right. people That's what they get jumped ahead. You know, several of these places, Green Bay is at 11, only has eight breweries. Yeah. You know, there are several of these that have less than you know. 12 breweries that are that are ahead of cleveland 
Yeah, that's right. like Bend, Oregon has 24.5 breweries per 100,000 residents, but like that's about that's about how much lives in Bend, Oregon. So, you know, a little bit skewed, but even if the with the skewed numbers and a lot of the metrics looked at, uh, you know, five Ohio cities coming in to the top 50 of the best beer cities in America, and that is what's brewing in Ohio. We want to wrap up our show as we always do. Uh, shouting out first off our three beers of the week uh, from Unplugged Brewing Company in Illyria, their Muni lot. Uh, also shouting out Brew Dogs, Cannon Blast, and uh, what was the beer you were drinking from Great Lakes Sack? Uh, the uh, Irish Ale, Con- Conway's Irish Ale. Conway's Irish Ale. So shout out to Great Lakes. Um, brew dog and unplugged brewing company also shout out to all the listeners thank you for riding with us again this week uh, apologies for the zoom show uh hopefully we can all be back together drinking beer yelling at each other in one small studio again next week so after all those shout outs we want to end as we normally do with our personal shout outs josh who are you shouting out this week uh, guys, I am shouting out a brewery, actually, uh, a brewery outside of Ohio. Uh, they are located in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, and I know that might sound weird because the Bengals are about to go play the Titans. Uh, but I was in Nashville during the Bengals playoff game. Uh, had, had to find a place to go watch the Bengals in downtown Nashville. Came across Tailgate Brewery as apparently the Bengals bar of Nashville. And so, you know, I thought there'd be, you know, you know, like a, a corner of Bengals fans or something. Uh, I opened the door to this place and got greeted with the most insane, loudest who day I've ever seen in a single place. Um, that is how they greeted anyone that walked through that door. Uh, there are about like three rooms through the place, wall to wall, every room. Bengals everywhere. The place was just, it was an unbelievable showing Bengals fans outside of, outside of Cincinnati. So, and, and I'll have to say great, great beer too. Uh, so shout out to tailgate brewery in Nashville, Tennessee. Who day. Maybe she didn't uh, end up at kid rocks hockey talk. Shout out to to tailgate brewing. (laughs) Uh, Josh or uh, Zach, so so I don't. Hopefully, I don't steal your shout out. I, I'd like you to go before me because you know I'm worried that we might have the same one. No, really. I feel like you know something oh, I, I'm not thinking about or don't. Um, yeah, I, I'm gonna be lame here. I'm gonna shout out. I'll shout out Zach Taylor. Uh, oh. You know, doing doing the job. I'm always a fan of coaches who kind of you know get shit for years, rightfully so. And it's not, you know, he's no Matt LaFleur, but, uh, you know, be, who would have thought Zach Taylor, when they hired him, I was like, there's no way that guy's going to win you a playoff game. And he did. So shout out to him. Doing work. Doing Where work. are you going to see? Heading out to, uh, heading out to Mount Lookout Tavern. Yeah, that too. Was, that was yeah, cool. Yeah. Interesting kind of not the bar I probably would have picked, but, you know. I did think that was a very, like, offhand great great bar i love that oh i like mlts but, but it's kind of out of the terms of, yeah. yeah all the places you could pick really offhand 
Greg? Yeah, I would expect it. Yeah, the banks are, are maybe somewhere in OTR. Uh, yeah. Those who aren't familiar, a little bit on the eastern side of, of Cincinnati. So, uh, but shout out to Zach Taylor. I'm also going with a Zach for my shout out. Uh, I'm going with Zach Borinsky, uh, defenseman for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, Zach, I know you're a big uh, guy. I, I so was I close. You might, I you debated. That. I debated. Uh, yeah. Uh, second all-star appearance for Borinsky, uh, you know, a guy that you know, made it in 2018, but, you know, through some tough seasons, losing a lot of veterans in the last, uh, you know, year or so, losing his running mate and Seth Jones really has stepped up, you know, to be the, the head, especially of the defensive group. And although they've been up and down, he's been very good this year on the offensive and defensive end. So, uh, you know, the one guy from the jackets getting the nod. Usually every every team gets a player, but you know, very few as deserving from the jackets as he is, you know, really showing to be one of the leaders of this team and one of the leaders that you hope to see moving forward with the jackets as they move through this uh quote unquote retooling to hopefully get back to uh the playoffs and keep the dream alive. Jackets. So, guys, I think that is going to do it. 4.30 Rack of Sports. Uh, just as a note, just one episode this week with the Zoom episode. We should be back next week. Two episodes, just one studio, no remote, and uh, hopefully just one oh, fantastic us, Ohio beer to drink. Hey, we're just hoping, right? <laughs> <We're just> hoping. <laughs> there you go. So, oh, I think God. that's going to do it for Zach. On the opinions, good, bad, or otherwise. See ya. For Josh, on the ones and twos. Go Bengals. I'm Greg. Thank you so much for listening to another edition of 30 Rack of Sports. Peace.